This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Hannah Dilday, and I'm a senior at Apex Friendship High School. In the fall, I'll be attending Meredith College, where I plan on studying elementary education and continuing to play lacrosse. It is good to be here with you this morning, and I'm thrilled by the opportunity to stand before you. However, I do ask that as I stumble over nerves and words, that you bear patience, as this is not my standard day-to-day routine. (laughs) If you would join me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the people in front of me and beside me, to my right and to my left. Lord, quiet our minds, still our hearts, and inspire our spirits, that we may hear what you have to say to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, In typical youth fashion, we chose a hunk of scripture this morning, so I want to jump back for a second and take a deeper look at the passage. In the time before David, the people of Israel insisted on having a human king. Saul, by all means, was the people's choice, strong, handsome, and charismatic, but his trust in God failed him at crucial moments, and he grew impatient and distrustful. God knew that Israel desperately needed a faithful and humble leader, um, so he prepared to send Samuel to Bethlehem. This frightened Samuel because Saul was still throned. I mean, basically, what God was asking him to do was, I want you to go and give away this job, but um, the job's kind of already taken, and the other person doesn't know they're losing the job, and they're kind of mean, so don't let them find out. Um, I can kind of understand Samuel's hesitation, But nonetheless, he obeys God's direction and he heads to Bethlehem. When he gets there, he's met by some fearful elderly folks and he says, no, 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 I come in peace with sacrifice. And the people lead him to Jesse. And this is where I really wanna take a deeper look. I wanna imagine these first few moments between Jesse and Samuel. I have a feeling that Jesse probably felt fairly confident sending his first son, Eliab, to pass in front of Samuel like the favorite put-together superstar son. And I think Samuel's train of thought may have been pretty similar. This man sure looks like a king. He's got to be the one. Like, good choice, God. Samuel saw a tall, good-looking young man who in every aspect looked like he could be a great king. After all, Saul's physical features were one of the distinctive attributes that helped him claim the throne. When Eliab wasn't the one, I think Jesse still may have held on to some confidence as he sent his second son, Abinadab, to pass in front of Jesse. But I see, Samuel's fa- I see Jesse's face filling with anxiety like that red, bubbly tension when son number three still doesn't make the cut, or son number four, or five, or six, or seven. And I think The combination of confusion and disappointment probably kept David far from the front of Jesse's mind. Why would it be David? Samuel and Jesse were judging his sons on their outward appearance. It was the same exact mistake that Israel had made in choosing their first king. Eliab and the rest of the seven sons were perfect potential kings as far as flesh is concerned but God didn't want a leader of the flesh. 
Israel had already had that and failed under his hand. Samuel knew that God had sent him to Jesse unmistakably. So he asked once more, I imagine with a bit of bewilderment, um, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse, I think this is a crucial part of Samuel's story um, because even though Samuel was judging on outward appearance and make it known that Samuel was known to be a very wise prophet, he put aside his natural inclination and saw what the Lord saw. Jesse responds, there remains the youngest, the youngest. This shows us the low regard David had among his family. First, his father doesn't mention or call him by name. Second, he wasn't invited or even present at the sacrificial feast. And third, he was only remembered because Samuel asked specifically for him. We know from the fact that David is tending to the sheep that his family was probably not very wealthy. Otherwise, it's likely that a servant would have been tending to the sheep. By the human eye, this again makes him a fairly unexpected candidate. But God knows that this took a special heart and a certain kind of trust. David was day-to-day evidence that status, influence, and power weren't requirements in being people after God's heart. When we're expectant of something, it's the likely outcome or answer. Nothing about David was likely for a king. Nothing about David was expected. This story makes me think of an episode of The Bachelor. Bear with me. You're a young, single woman looking for love, and you're given seven options. Number one, the standout athlete. Number two, the intelligent businessman. Number three, the generous mama's boy. Number four, the comical hunk. Number five, the romantic lover. Number six, the handsome brown-eyed boy. Number seven, the ambitious medical student. Oh, wait, sounds like we have an eighth contestant. The bland, know-nothing, typical guy. Something tells me that very few women in any room, including this one, would choose man number eight. Similarly, something tells me that very few Israelites would have ever chosen David to lead Israel. But if I told you that contestants one through seven would never equate to the man, father, and husband of the eighth man, or that David would go on to be a courageous, loyal, faithful, and successful leader, would you be more likely to pick these unlikely characters? We see it over and over again in the Bible, God intentionally choosing the least expected. Joseph, a slave who saved his country and family. Samson, an uncontrollable man who God empowered and used as a warrior and leader. Esther, the woman that God chose to use to spare the Jewish people. Mark, a coward who was restored and wrote the second gospel. Yet we remain surprised by the unexpected works of God. I think in today's world, we would still feel inclined to choose a leader such as Saul. We look for leaders with big and boisterous personalities, people we can be confident in because they fit the part. We stray from leaders that think controversially, act differently, or live quietly in fear of the unexpected. I think sometimes we expect God to move in these same sort of ways. 
in big, elaborate acts of love and wisdom. But in the same way that God chose David as the leader of Israel, at Pentecost, God chose the ordinary. At Pentecost, God chose the church. And the expectation was no longer that only a select few would experience these mighty acts, but that the everyday you and me, God would be at work in. In 2016, I was privileged to travel to Kenya with a Zoe team. During my time there, I was able to visit the Maua United Methodist Hospital. We toured several different wings of the hospital, and as expected of a new place, several things caught my eye. But there's one thing that'll always stay with me. As we rounded the last hallway, the nurse prepared us to enter the NICU section of the hospital. A young mom had just delivered a premature baby that was in need of heat to warm its small and frail body. I imagined what this experience would encounter at home, and then I imagined what this situation entailed in the heart of Africa. I expected to walk into a simple room with a mom rocking in a wooden chair behind a small incubator, but instead there was a small plastic basin, a cotton swaddled baby, and an open heat lamp. At first, my stomach turned and my hazards reared. But as I continued to look, I saw a sort of beauty in the situation. The heat lamp that from an outward appearance was far less than sufficient and struggling to make the below average standards was actually doing its job. Keeping this child alive, doing the one thing that truly mattered. I imagine that my reaction to the scene was a little like Samuel's reaction to the arrival of David. I didn't understand what good could possibly come from this unexpected solution. The surprise of it blinded me to any real hope and I dreamt up a dozen better solutions. But my better solutions were Jesse's other seven sons. And I believe that just as God chose to use a young shepherd boy from Bethlehem, he utilized that heat lamp in the wing of that African hospital. I think that David's time as a shepherd was not a time of waiting, but a time of training. David succeeded as a king because he never lost his shepherd's heart. His time was never spent in an effort to please the expectations of this world, but in being a man after God's heart. What expectations are we striving to meet? Are we living for earthly success or eternal significance? I want to be more like David. I want my life to be unexpected.